first, I, I just want to say thank you to you all. It's an honor to be among you. I've heard a lot about St. Peter's, though this is my first time to be here. Uh, I've heard a lot about you through the lives of my friends and colleagues who first came into the Episcopal Church through your doors. Your witness uh, has preceded you. And I feel like through those lives, we have been connected to one another already. Uh, For my part, I came into the Episcopal Church in Hot Springs in Arkansas uh, when I was in college. It was the city where I would like to start a story for you today. I was walking downtown at the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade. Yeah. And this was a time before I had learned to say no to people who wanted to shove pamphlets into my hands. Uh, So as I moved through the crowd, I emerged with a couple of tracts. Yeah, tracts, you know, the religious leaflets that are meant to frighten you into the arms of a loving savior. Those are the ones. So I came out with two of them, and the first tract had this very large, misleading picture of a beer on it, and it said, can you name ten beers, and it gave ten lines, and you flip it over, and on the other side it said, easy, right, but can you name the ten commandments? And I thought, I know, right? Look, if I named all the beers I know out of the hundreds and thousands of styles of beer out there, I wouldn't even get 1% of them. You know one commandment and you get 10% already. This is not a very logical equation. The other one had the title, and they always catch you with the title, Three Things God Cannot Do. All right, I'll bite. Number one, God cannot lie. I mean, okay, maybe I would be better with language like God wouldn't lie or God chooses not to lie, but I get, I get, I'll give you the gist of it. God and lies, they do not go together. But the second, God cannot change. Well, sit down, son, because I have some scripture for you. And happy, happy coincidence that it is, it's today's gospel. Jesus has entered into Gentile country today, Tyre and Sidon. It's about as far down on the list of notably undesirable places as Sodom and Gomorrah was. Or, if you're a Kansan like me, Missouri. No offense, Missourians. Matthew says that he meets a Canaanite woman there. And that term, Canaanite, is an anachronism. It's off by about a thousand years here. You'll remember that the Canaanites were the people who the Israelites wiped out when they came into this bounteous and plentiful promised land that was, in fact, already populated. And they believed God told them to wipe out the Canaanites, and everything to do with them. Men, women, children, goats, chickens, everything had to be annihilated. They were the sort of people whose names were more spat than said. Canaanite. The scene unfolds. This Canaanite woman is screaming, following Jesus, begging, not on her own behalf, but on behalf of her daughter, 
begging for something that the disciples know is not hers for the taking. It's never been hers. Send her away. So Jesus tells her, nothing's changed here. This is a thousand-year-old story we're living in. You know I'm here for the lost sheep, the children of Israel. Nevertheless, she persisted, kneeling before him now and saying, Lord, help me. And Jesus retorts with a line that follows this same story that everyone around him, Jew and Gentile, had repeated ad nauseum for a thousand years. You don't throw the children's food to the dogs. It's an awful slur to hear out of our Jesus' mouth. You're a dog. Your child is a dog. The system hasn't changed. Fine, she fires back. But don't even the dogs get the scraps from the table? Fine, she says. But isn't it true that the bread is overflowing? Aren't you the one who just finished feeding thousands from a couple of loaves with baskets and baskets left over? Isn't it true that there is enough to go around? Isn't grace piled high on a table that groans beneath its weight? And then you can see the jaws drop in the room, because here it is, the moment when Jesus changes. God incarnate changes. Chapter after chapter of Jesus scolding his closest followers for their lack of faith, he exclaims to this outside dog woman, Gentile Canaanite, he says, woman, opening his eyes for the first time to see her as a human being. Woman, great is your faith. You've probably heard this story a million times, but don't let familiarity with it enable you to pass this moment by, or you'll miss what God is like. The Canaanite woman throws a wrench into Jesus' mission and changes the world. We are asked to no longer consider a human being for their works or their worthiness, but for what they suffer. I've been wrestling, as I'm sure all of you have, with how to make sense of what's been going on the past couple of weeks. And nationally, yes, but here as well. Yesterday I watched my friends, you know, through social media, confront the white supremacists in Hot Springs. I watched my friends in Charlottesville do the same the Saturday before. I'm starting to wonder how many Saturdays it will be that I will watch this. I don't know about yours, but my family's going, on, going at it on Facebook. My aunts and uncles versus my cousins arguing about just who is rewriting history and who is inappropriately revering a monstrous one. And like I said, we're Kansans. I've never even seen a Confederate monument until I had moved to Hot Springs. We don't have skin in the game. But I'm reminded, watching all this play out, how unusual change is. How the systems that we live in begin to run us. The 
tides do turn. Yeah, the Israelites are no longer interested in exterminating all of the Gentiles in the land. That's a good, a better tide, for sure. But the waters that we're swimming in aren't replaced. This is the same red tide that Jesus is swimming in as a Palestinian Jew of the first century. It's the same old fear repeating itself that there just isn't enough to go around. Limited goods, limited seating. The Canaanite woman threw a wrench in it and ended up exploding the system. This woman is the forerunner of Paul who would say that in Christ there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or fee, free, male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. You and I here in this room are heirs of this unnamed Canaanite woman who changed God's mind. Now, I do know something about you here at St. Peter's. I've heard the good work that's been done here, and I've witnessed its fruits in people's lives. I think you actually do believe and work towards including all at your table. I know it's hard work. It's lives like yours that keep repairing the way that our hearts have been conditioned to feel, rejecting the systems that we've inherited, the mechanistic equation that human beings are only worth what they produce in a system. Your rejection of this is nothing short of bringing grace in a world like ours. I think the struggle is, can I do enough? So remember, too, for you this morning, reading the story of the Canaanite woman, that you two were brought to a place where there is enough. There's enough, regardless of what it was that brought you here or who. There's enough when all your wrestling can't unwind the crises of our time, try as you might. There's enough, even for that slow drip of mundane problems that you hold in your mind. For all the things known and unknown, for all that's done and undone, there's a grace enough here for it all. We're brought back here every week, I think, because it's easy to forget. The table holds enough for you, too.